God throws something in your face, what do you say? Jesus, you got it. You got it, God. Amen. Are you, are you glad to be in church this morning, real life? Yeah, I'm, I'm here to celebrate Him, you know? No other reason but to celebrate Him and to thank Him and to praise Him for all He has done for me. Turn to the person next to you, give them a high five and have a seat. Thank you, Andy. Awesome. Well, I'm just up here to introduce our guest speaker this morning. Are you psyched for the word? Get down here. Oh, gosh. That was pathetic. Are you psyched for the word? You know what? The word of God is life-changing, yeah? We've all experienced it. So when we come to church, what do we do? We lean in and we expect life change, don't we? So lean in this morning, church, and expect life change. Expect the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you personally because he loves you, yeah? And you're here for a reason, and that's to connect with each other and to hear something fresh from him. So Robbo's here. Robbo is a senior pastor at Globe Church in Newcastle, and that's all about I know about you, really. That's about it, is it? He's a dad. He's got so many kids. I've lost count. They're all grown now, though, so that's good. They're out of his house. Um, He's married to a brilliant woman called Kate, and she does most of the work. And, um, yeah, we we love Robbo. Robbo has been such a blessing in Lottie and I's life, and his words and his encouragement have been crucial. And um, God has used him powerfully Um, in my life personally. And so I am so uh, pleased that he's here and it is my pleasure to introduce him to you today. Will you give Robbo a welcome? All right, while we stay standing, um, we're going to pray. Father, we're just excited about all that you're doing You're so amazing. Your plans for us are plans for welfare, for hope, for prosperity, for life and abundance. I thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. I thank you, Father, that you have birthed this this church, that you saw it from the beginning of time, that you saw this region and the communities that this church reaches around the globe, you, you saw them and you saw those individuals that are waiting for the gospel. You saw those that were tired of religion and wanted relationship. They were looking and hungering after the reality of your presence, your future and hope. So Father, we pray for those not yet part of the church God your heart is toward them help us to lift up our eyes and to see that the fields are already ready for harvest they're white they're ready they're waiting God we pray for this region this region is so strategic Lord God in the in the scheme of of the kingdom of God in the purposes of God this community God is waiting for this message so I pray that not just this church, but the churches of, of Maitland and the Hunter Valley, God, would, would rise with incredible freedom and confidence and faith and favor and wisdom, Lord God. In a time where there's great confusion, I thank you that you're not the author of confusion, but of peace, of, of, of great favor and great clarity. I thank you, Father, for every individual in this in this church that calls this church home, that you would cause them to have profound influence in Jesus' name. I give you praise, God, for what you're about to do. Thank you that the best is yet to come. Lord God, I declare over this church great days ahead. I declare great days ahead over this place, Lord God. I thank you for the favor of of all that you have done, but I thank you also for what you're about to do. I give you praise for the great days ahead that you have planned in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Well, before you sit down, I want you to turn to the person next to you and look them in the eye and say, you have great days ahead. Well, I love this church, and um, it's been a privilege to be part of uh, the journey, I guess, along the way of, of watching this church just flourish and be a blessing in so many ways. And thank you, Loz, for that lovely introduction. <laughs> I'll tell my wife to lift her game and do the work that she's supposed to be doing. <laughs> You know, we had actually, we had our first argument after 33 years of marriage the other day and it was only fairly petty in my opinion, but for her it was quite significant, you know, she was regarding it as like Armageddon and, um, and we just couldn't agree, you know, like on who was right and who was wrong and, and finally she said, look, I'm so frustrated with you, you know, look, if I admit I'm wrong, will you say I'm right? And I said, yeah, no, that's fair enough. So she said, all right, I'm wrong. And I said, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Jason for, um, <clears throat> you know, talking about my gift of communicating in elevators. <laughs> the great thing about elevator jokes is they work on so many levels. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought they would just give you a lift, mate. Sorry. Uh, so <clears throat> Actually, you know, um, Jason's a great man. He, he has the heart of a lion and a lifetime ban from Dubbo Zoo. <clears throat> so, Speaking of children, actually, I was, uh, <laughs> I was, I saw this sign the other day, watch for children. I thought that sounds like a fair trade to me. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> so. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> who is happy to be alive? Yeah. Well, this guy tried to sell me a funeral plan at a coffin the other day, and I said, well, that's the last thing I need. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I want to talk to you today from... <laughs> uh, prophetic. Derek and Beth, stand up. You know, stand up, don't, we haven't got all day, you know. They're paying me by the minute here. <laughs> Just, just your next. <laughs> it is a new season and you already know that. But I just want to say two things to you today. Just such a faithful and God-honoring couple. And I just want to declare over you, refreshing. There's this stirring in your heart. And it's not yet clear to you what's going to unfold. And that's a great thing because God actually has something very fresh in you. And I also feel like he's giving you a, a time to breathe in and refresh. It's like long service leave because you've been so incredibly faithful and committed and determined. And you have blessed the world through what you've done. But I just want to encourage you in this new season, don't rush. Just breathe in because you're going to get clarity and there's going to be very clear provision, very uh, new doors of opportunity that you hadn't expected. It's a shift, but it's exciting. And you know something's happening there, but it's not yet fully clear. But I just want you to trust in that process and breathe in. And let go of the obligation to perform because you don't need to. You just have earned a break, well and truly. And so be refreshed. 
and you'll find this incredible uplift coming in this next few months. You're going to find this incredible sense of fresh joy, fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit. It's going to flow out through you. And the fruitfulness of your life, the greatest fruit is ahead of you. And I just encourage you with that thought, just to, to recognize that. He's going to lift your eyes up and help you to see opportunity you didn't expect in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a clap. A good, good cover. <clears throat> so um, I want to talk to you today from Joshua chapter 6. And I, I kind of feel this has become a little bit of a life message for me because um, I feel like uh, there's a great stirring over the church for our outward focus. You know, we, we, we need to think about how we are supposed to connect. And it's kind of an unusual scripture to talk about community because Joshua basically was, you know, a little bit you know, like joining the army. You know, you, you go to interesting places and meet people and kill them. And um, <clears throat> that's what Joshua was really about. It was kind of this incredibly, actually quite barbaric in, in many ways, the way that Joshua had to engage with the nation of Canaan. So I'm not encouraging you to do the same thing. So there may be some neighbours you have that you think, well, probably the best thing is to usher them into heaven. Um, but that's not really what I'm trying to say today. So don't translate that from this. But Joshua chapter 6, um, it says this. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. And that's a really interesting thought here. The, the, whole, the whole city of Jericho is quite legendary because Jericho was one of the great walled cities of ancient times. The walls of the city were like 18 feet thick. And so no one had ever conquered Jericho. And they felt fairly secure, even though there's over a million, you know, Israelis parked outside their gates, they still feel fairly secure. And, uh, of course, you know, for the Israelis, this is all new to them. They haven't actually ever fought against a walled city and they don't really know what to do. So they're just camped outside. And God says to Joshua, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, I've given you the city. And Joshua goes, yeah, I can see that. The walls are there and all the people are inside. And in a way, when we translate that into our context, we can go, well, you know, oh, yes, God has given us the city, the region of Maitland, the Hunter Valley. God's given it to us. Amen? Two people thought that was true. <laughs> Let me try it again. God has given you the city, yes? Well, yeah, that's, he actually has, but the problem is we haven't yet figured out the strategy by which we're going to take hold of the city. Now, we've had moments, we've had some incredible inroads, and, and you know, um, how many of you, let me ask this question, how many of you became a Christian in this church? Put up your hand if you became a Christian in this church. Okay. How many of you have moved here from some other uh, region you've moved from another region wow okay well you made a good choice you know this is one of the most significant growth areas in the whole nation and there's good reason for that it's such a beautiful area it's such a blessed area and god is intending to prosper this place so it's a strategic place it's a key community and we have to reach it come on we have to reach this community there's over 50,000 people in our immediate vicinity that are that are largely unreached now we want to do mission overseas we do but but you know what our mission starts right here the moment you walk out the door your real task begins church services are not the primary goal of the church they're not we want to have great services, but this is just half time in the main game. The main game is what happens the moment you walk out the door. The moment you step out the door of this building, you are on mission. 
And some of you are like, oh, well, you know, I just need to, you know, if I was in paid ministering, well, I'd be so anointed, like I'd just be so powerful, I, I'm just so, so gifted and that, you know, that's why I've got lipstick on my mirror, because I'm just so talented, but, you know, the pastors, they've never really recognised me, they don't let me have a go up there, you know, it's like, you know, Christian karaoke, I want to have a go, <laughs> I want to sing. It's not about this platform. It's not about what happens in here, really. It's like, come on, we, we have to catch the thing that, that it's all about what happens all week long. Last night I went to the pub. <laughs> what were you doing there? And at the pub... Um, my daughter invited me because she was playing and she's not really that talented. She needed help. <laughs> and so I went along to play and sing uh, and, and she doesn't give me a microphone. <laughs> it's subtle, but I picked that up. <laughs> I, think it's, I think she's sort of using me as a form of comparison, you know, because when I sing, she looks really good. Um, she suggested I sing solo. Solo, no one could hear me. <clears throat> and anyway, I, so I went to the pub and I'm walking in and, and I'm, I meet this guy who's a little bit inebriated, but he's 50 and I've been coaching his son at cricket for years. And so we've got this amazing connection. Now, he's not ready to come to church, but he loves our family. And he recognises that there's been this connection that's added value to his family. And I just love the fact that I can go to the pub and connect with somebody who I've done life with and, and build a rapport. Well, last time I played at that pub, and I don't often play, actually. I love playing, but I don't get to do that very often. But last time, and this is really interesting given what's happening here, there was this guy dancing. And I'm thinking, this guy is so out of it. He's the worst. Like, he makes me look like a good dancer. And he is just completely uncoordinated. And I'm going, this guy's drunk ass. What's wrong with him? And we played a, a, a song, a uh, four non-blonde song that, that this guy absolutely loved. And he's just out there going crazy. And I'm going, what is wrong with this guy? And anyway, all of his friends come up. And they're, they're standing there and they say, um, hey, we really want to thank you for playing that song because that's like his favourite song. Well, we didn't know that. And then they said, he's just found out that he's got motor neurone disease and he's deteriorated really quickly. And he wasn't drunk at all, he can't drink. He just could no longer control the way his body is functioning. And so suddenly in the middle of the pub, I'm talking to them about, hey, I have a friend. His name's Phil Camden. They go, oh, we, we've met this guy. He's amazing. I go, how did you meet him? Oh, well, you know, they just heard about this group, you know, that Phil runs. Phil is a walking miracle. Do you know, he has defied all what the normal prognosis of MND has been. And in that time, God has used him to reach literally thousands of people through him having this disease. He is not healed. But in one way, he is. Because he's just like, he is walking. You do not want to miss next, next Sunday. No, I'm telling you right now, you will not hear a more powerful story about how to engage faith in the middle of trial and you know and seriously if you have anyone you're reaching out to that is a time you you do want to invite them to church i don't invite many people to church until i think they're ready does that make sense because i i know that sometimes 
they need to do something else. They might need to come for dinner. They might need to come to a life group. They might need to just have coffee with me. They, they may need to meet me at the pub. But whatever it is, I want to engage with them where they are. But, but in the process then, I've got to look at the fact that, that, yes, God has given me the city. So suddenly we become pastoral to the whole city. And I love the fact that Phil Camden has turned a test into a testimony. He's turned a nightmare into, into a dream. He's actually had a profound influence in that whole arena and he's led dozens of people to Christ who are battling with that disease. So, yeah, you don't, you don't want to miss his story if you haven't heard it. It's very, very powerful. So... It's one thing to be told you've been given the city. And I want to stir you up by way of reminder here. You know, um, my dear, dear mate Grant Atherton has had a really tough year. And it's not his fault. He's carried the weight of pressure, of, of, of challenge of pastoral ministry and the grief sometimes attached with that is, is difficult to believe. We live in an era where we have witnessed, in fact, Alison Martin said to me 20 years ago, I think it was, when you were study, started studying psychology, whenever it was, maybe it was a bit less than that, that there would be an epidemic of depressive and mental illnesses, of emotional challenges and we're witnessing that right now. And, and so none of us are immune from that. All of us have to deal with the fact that we have to keep our soul free and healthy and light. And the reality is that for Grant, he's been through so much, carried so much. And so he's needed this year off. But let me say this to you really bluntly. The church is not having a year off. The church is not Grant's idea. It's not Meg's idea. It's not Lozzie's idea or Lottie's. It's not mine. It's not Mark's theirs. It's God's idea. He planted it. He's building it. He'll, he'll continue to sustain it. You can actually get a bit excited. It's your church. Hello. I'm only visiting. Can I just um, say this? When you come to church, sit at the front. Push the pastors out of the seats. Right? Don't sit at the back. Sit at the front. Because th there's something powerful about us engaging and, and connecting at the front. Um, to all those at the back, I still love you. No, sometimes people need to sit at the back because they have to go in and out or whatever. But, but I just want to encourage you Lean in. This is a powerful new season for this church. This church is not in any way struggling, going backwards, dwindling, losing focus. It's the opposite. God is stirring up something very powerful because there's great days ahead. And I just want you to see that. It was God's idea and he will continue to sustain it. And the city may seem shut up, which I would regard as the opposite of connection. But can I urge us to be connectors? Who, how many non-Christian friends do you have right now? How many of them would be welcome in your home? Or how many of them do life with you regularly? You are meant to be a connector. The city may seem shut up. They may have put walls up around their heart, but I want you to tear them down. And here's how you do it. The second part of this scripture is, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, of circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. <sighs> so we're going to march around the city. And I think what's really funny about... Sorry, I'm making the back the front now. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to preach from back here. So, you know, march around the city. It's like, you know... The really, really funny thing about this is um, he said to them, make sure that no one says anything. 
while you're marching around the city. And I think that's the funniest thing because if you think about it, if you, if you were there and the leader said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to march around <laughs> the city <clears throat> seven times. Six days in a row, we're just going to march around the city. And here's the deal. No one say anything or else you'll be instantly killed. Well, why does God say that? Well, I think it's because he recognises that if you was you marching around the city, you would be going like this. Mine, 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 mine. I don't like walking. If I signed up for exercise, I would have joined a gym, not a... I, this is the worst invasion I've ever been on. What on earth are we doing? Joshua's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, Where, bring back Moses. He's dead. Oh, bring him back anyway. Because Moses was a lot better leader than this guy. Joshua's an idiot. <laughs> mine, 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 mine. I just feel like I'm going around in circles which I actually am. That's because I am going around in circles. And on six days in a row, and I can't speak, and I'm Jewish. I, I, I'm Jewish, I have to speak. That's what we do. And we speak with our hands as well. I just feel like I'm going around in circles. And some of you feel exactly the same. Oh, nothing changes. I just go round and round. The life's so boring. One day follows another. It's just so fruitless. It's like, you know, all I'm doing is getting older and it's really boring and the people around me are boring. My life group's boring. The church is boring. It's like, you know, I don't know what. I give them money and what do I get back? What's in it for me? No wonder he didn't let them speak. Just shut up. <laughs> you're not allowed to speak when you're going around in circles. Does Joshua know what he's doing? Not that much. But he at least has a word. He at least has a word. And so, so he's, he's like, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to march around the city six days in a row. <laughs> and, and, and on the, the last day, he says, we're going to march around the city today seven times. Are you serious? My feet hurt. Well, your feet smell. I know, but, but if your feet smell and your nose run, you're upside down. Well, my feet hurt. I don't want to march anymore. I don't like it. <laughs> On the last day, you know, marching around Jericho was actually quite a long way. So marching once a day was kind of, you know... It's like if you've got Run Keeper on your phone, you go, oh, I've, done, I've done six Ks today. <laughs> Well, on the last day, it's like a marathon. There's a million people all marching around. And then he says, at the end of the seventh time, then I want you to shout. They say that men speak up to 15,000 words a day. Women speak over three million words a day. <laughs> no, it's not true. I've made that up. <coughs> 34% of all statistics you hear are complete fraud. <coughs> um, so, <laughs> why is it that he says to them, march seven times? Well, I think one of the reasons is because when you have to march the seventh time, you have completely run out of your own strength. And I think... They're marching at that point purely on the basis of the fact that they had a word. God had spoken to them and said, if you complete this, if you continue, if you persevere, 
is this making sense to anybody? If you keep going and don't stop, at some point there'll be a shout. At some point there'll be, the walls will fall down. But if you stop on the sixth time, you're going to miss it. Here's an interesting stat that is true. Most people change churches at about the six-year mark. Why is that? Because there's a principle in God of completion. Six is the number of man, if you like, but seven is the number of perfection. And an interesting thought. In Exodus 21, I think it is, you, you hear the story of the love slave. When somebody decides, well, I love my master, I want to stay. After six years, the master has to release the slave. And you can feel, well, I'm just a slave to this house. I've just, I've done this. I worked on kids' ministry. I worked on the door. I made coffee and moan, moan, moan. No one ever took any notice of me. And yes, I, okay, I'm sure I have an incredible reward in heaven, but, but I'm not seeing it right now. Well, let me say to you, you will see a great reward in this life, but you have to persevere. And there's a, a moment at the six-year mark where everybody suddenly feels, well, I wonder if I should just move on. But here's the thing, if you push past that six-year mark and you nail your ear to the door, the seven-year mark, you become a love slave. Suddenly, God opens doors. There's something about the seventh time. It's profound. Suddenly, there's fruitfulness. Some of you in business, you've persevered year in, year out, but you're coming to the seventh and when you come into the seventh season, suddenly something breaks open. Something gets launched. The walls come down. Because there was a moment at the end of the seventh time where they haven't been allowed to talk for seven days and suddenly they've got a lot to say and they want to shout it all at once. And they do. And there's, I reckon on the seventh trip around on that last day, I reckon a spirit of faith starts to rise in their heart. I reckon the lights start to go on. They start to see something. They start to feel a stirring in their heart. They go, what if? What if the walls really could come down? What if the community really was opened up? What if the, there was an open door for us? And the moment they shout, the walls fall. And here's the thing. At that point, God told Joshua, see to it that each one of them marches straight ahead. Straight ahead. Oh, wait a minute. Well, I don't, I don't want to be a child care worker. I, I want to be a pastor. Then I'll be fruitful. No, you won't. Can we stop thinking that our ministry would begin if we were just somehow paid by the church to do it? That is ludicrous. The job of the, the, the pastor, I reckon only one in a hundred people should ever be a pastor because the reality is we need everybody in the community doing what you're called to do. When the walls come down, we need you just to go straight ahead. If you're in business, stay in business. If you're in, in teaching, stay in teaching. If you're in childcare, stay in childcare. If you run a play group stay doing it continue to break down the walls we don't need you know what our church has had seven years of incredible pain we we got our, our old building got massively damaged in um, one of the storms that hit us many years ago and so we're thinking, well, would you, you know, it, it really wasn't that repairable at the time. So we thought we'll put a, an insurance claim in. But the insurer refused, as they have done also in Dungog, <laughs> the insurer refused to pay, saying, oh, well, it's just normal wear and tear. And we go, are you serious? Like the building stood there for 40 years without a single crack, but suddenly it's, it's irreparable. So for the last six years, we've had this ongoing battle with, with the insurer. Seriously, you, uh, we've spent, I don't know, $40,000 on reports and engineering and you name it. Um, and in the end, we've, we've actually 
developed a very strong case and we actually have had to take legal action against the insurer. But in my heart, I know two things. One is that the walls will come down because we're going to demolish that building and we're going to build something new. We're going to build a brand new daycare centre on that site and we'll build it whether we ever win this case or not. But the other side of it is that, that I had to be determined I will not let go until I see the completion of what I believe God wants for us. And whether they pay up or they don't, I'm not worried about that because God has this in control. Those walls will come down, new walls will be built and it will be the most profound community interface we've ever had. We're building a 90-place daycare centre right on that site. And in the middle of that journey, I was really depressed about it and I felt God say to me, turn this test into a testimony. I have given you a way forward that will be better than what you could have dreamed up yourself. See, what we have to do is recognise that firstly, we have to see that God has given us the city. Secondly, we have to march sometimes and we have to feel sometimes that we're just going around in circles. But I promise you, it's not a wasted effort. There are some people in your world that you've reached out to, you've prayed for for years. How many of you older folk would remember a radio announcer called Clive Robinson? Anyone remember him? Amazing story. Had severe addictions, mental illness, depression, um, you know, was an alcoholic basically. And he had this one guy in his life, one friend that he'd had since he was a teenager. And this guy was a Christian and, and Clive was very, very cynical about God, very cynical toward church, very, very, uh, he worked for the ABC and he was a very funny guy, but very um, aggressive against church stuff. And in, in the process of that whole journey, there was this one guy whose life he watched for 40 years. He watched this one guy's life as a Christian. So in his late 50s, after his third marriage had fallen over and he was just massively depressed, he suddenly realised, I want what he has. Do you think that guy felt at times I'm going around in circles? So at the age of nearly 60, Clive Robinson gave his heart to Jesus and his whole public testimony on ABC radio was he was the only person I could look at whose life I respected. 40 years is a long time to march around the wall, but it came down. There are people in your life that you think, will they ever soften their heart? Will the walls ever come down? Yeah, they will. <laughs> Just keep going. Yeah. Keep going. You'll see it's worth it in the end. You, you know, uh, let me remind you of this. Faith and patience inherit promises, not just faith alone. You have to persevere. Let us persevere in doing good. In due season, we will, we will reap a reward if we do not give up. What a fantastic promise. That's your promise today. Persevere. Persevere. Because the job's not done. And the walls are not down yet. But they will be. Musos, come on back. I've only got an hour to go. (laughs) I want to remind you that what you're doing is not a waste of time. Speaking of which, you know, the other day I ate a clock. Now that was time consuming. When you're on the journey, can I just remind you that God is with you all the time and he, He's for you. He's not against you. He's, he's got a plan to prosper you, not to make you struggle. If, you know, Nehemiah learned this here in, in Nehemiah 2. It says, the God of heaven will give us success. 
His intention is to cause you to succeed, not to fail, to win and not to lose. He wants you to overcome, not to be overcome. His intention is to prosper you, but you can forget that. And I was thinking, how can I illustrate that, um, you know, those moments where you think, what on earth is happening to me? Some years ago, Kate and I went on a um, mission trip and we'd been away for about a month all over the place and and at the end of the at the end of the trip we went to Thailand oh, the tail end of our Thailand trip we we went to Phuket and thought we'll have a few days off and it was kind of awkward because you know we had this these lovely young guys with us and we went to the beach of Phuket thinking well this will be lovely and it was like all these fat German businessmen wearing g-strings it was kind of awkward <coughs> and um <laughs> Let's move on from there. Uh, and so, so it was like this, we're going, well, as we thought, let's, let's go on a cruise. Let's go on a cruise out to PP Island, which is absolutely beautiful, by the way. Uh, and so we thought, well, that'd be great. And so we booked, out, booked ourselves on this cruise and it's got this you know, brochure with this beautiful looking cruise you know, boat that you go on. Like, and like, you know, I, I worked on a ferry, so I, I don't get seasick, but Katie occasionally does and the other guys are sort of new to this. So they're like, oh, okay, that'll be great. Well, we arrive at the dock and they said, well, because there's quite a big swell today, we're not going on the nice cruise boat. We're going on, and I kid you not, we're going on a barge. And the barge <laughs> didn't have the same quality of motor. And so it was, it was like, seriously, I'm surprised it was still afloat, this thing. And so we're going, what the? Okay, so we get on board, and, and the barge is really struggling. And I, again, I'm not exaggerating, the swell is about eight foot. So basically... We are beam on, so if you know what that means, the waves are coming to the side, to the front corner of the boat, and it's, so it's like a corkscrew. And uh, it's a recipe for vomiting in high measure. <clears throat> and so, <laughs> and the worst part about it was that the, the, the very dodgy diesel motor has got a, an exhaust right in the middle of the boat. So all the people who are trying to stand at the back of the boat, which was predominantly American tourists, um, basically are uh, getting all the fumes as well as the rocking motion of the boat. <laughs> so Kate and I moved to the front and so, and then the motor broke down, right? I'm, this is not, not a word of a lie, it's really happened. And so we are stuck in this swell out in the middle of, of the ocean, just like this. And, <clears throat> and and so then the Thai tour guide decided to help us out by singing loud Thai songs with a disco feel. Uh, and the only problem with that was that she couldn't sing anything remotely in the same key as what the song was. Yeah, well, that's how I felt as well. And, and um, so we're there on this boat going, what on earth is this? Well, the trip that was supposed to take an hour and a half took us nearly five hours. We arrive at the island and the lady says, you have 30 minutes to have lunch and then we get back on the boat to go back. <laughs> well, it's the closest I've ever seen a mutiny because the American tourists if they had the right to bear arms, they would have used it at that moment. They would have shot her on the spot. They were so sick and so angry and so violent. And I'm just going, God, what? I, this is crazy. We didn't pay to come out here and waste time like this. And I had a word of wisdom. Why don't you go and ask the reception if they've got a room? What a genius idea. So I went into reception while all the Americans were plotting how to kill the tour guide. I'm, I'm go to the reception and for five American dollars each, we got a beachfront cabin for the night. And they all got back on the boat <laughs> and we <laughs> waved them goodbye. And you could hear them, I reckon, half a mile away, swearing at the Thai tour guide. 
<laughs> so we had this amazing uh, day and night, and next day we went back on the afternoon, beautiful cruise boat in calm water. And I went, oh, God, I'm just so wise. So <laughs> I told you that story because you live in the Hunter Valley. It's wine country, but I want us to take the wine out of our mouth. We whine and moan when we never see that God at the end of each test has something good for us. No test has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will enable you to endure it and to come out with gold at the end of it. That's his intention. He's not mocking you. He's not against you. He's completely for you. He's shaping you. He's helping you to become. You are not in the middle of any trial that God and you will not overcome with great fruitfulness and victory in Jesus' name. Come on, let's stand together. You know, my time is gone and, and I, I, I'm looking forward to the great days ahead over this church. And our heart is completely with you. And we are cheering you on because we know that the, the best days are ahead of this house. And they're also the best days ahead of you. And I want to remind you that, that God is faithful. He's faithful. You can trust Him. And I want you to take a moment. If, if the truth is, as I've been saying this, you realize, you know, I've been moaning, whining, complaining, grumbling, and murmuring. Well, just be glad you weren't part of Israel because you would have been killed in one of the plagues. So you're still alive only because of grace. <clears throat> let's take the moan out of our soul and let's put faith there instead because, you know, those guys, as they marched around the city, they realized that, that something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. The walls will come down. And I want to declare that over you today. The walls of this city will come down if you will persevere and at the right time if you will shout. And the shout is a shout of faith. It's a shout of praise. So I want you to close your eyes. If this morning you feel challenged by this message, you realize I've allowed my faith to drop and I've allowed my fear to rise. And I am not seeing the big picture that you see, God. Then I'm here to remind you keep marching, keep walking and hold your tongue because at the right time when you shout the walls will come down and at that point you will march straight ahead right where you are right in the zone you're in right in the home you're in God will use you if that's you this morning I want you to raise your hands right now you're saying God I really need to let go of my frustration, my grief, my, my anxiety, my, my self-doubt. And I want to trust you again. Wow, all across this room, that's great. I want us to pray a prayer together over that, that whole issue right now. You've got your hands raised. You, you're praying in agreement with me because I'm praying this prayer too. Let's pray together. Dear Father, Thank you for your wisdom, for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness, for all the times that I've complained, the times that I've been frustrated, the times I've doubted. I ask you to forgive me. I declare that the walls will come down at the appointed time and help me to set a guard over my tongue. Set a watch over my mouth, Lord God, that I would speak praise instead of fear. I would speak faith instead of doubt. I declare victory over my family, over my future, 
over my finances, over my work, over my study, over the church. Because that is your intention. It has always been and will always be your plan. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. While you're standing there, while you're standing there, I just want to ask this one question. If this morning in your heart you have let go of your relationship with God. You know, I loved our communion message this morning because there was a reminder that we are called to relationship and not to ritual. This is not a ritual, but right now in this room, if you're saying, Jesus, I need to surrender to you. I need you to fill my life with hope, salvation and confidence. If you're not sure where you stand with God, if you're not sure that you have a relationship with Him, He loves you unconditionally. Nothing you do or say can make Him love you more. If that's you this morning, and you're saying, I want to come back to God, or I want to come to God for the first time, then I would say right now where you are, Jesus is just a prayer away. But it's your choice to do that. He will not force you or manipulate you, and neither will we. But we're inviting you to take the step of faith to allow Jesus to become Lord of your life. If that's you this morning across this room, you're saying, here I am, Lord. I need you. I want you also. You've got privacy. I want you to raise your hand right where you are across this room. You're saying, God, here I am. I come back to you or I come to you for the very first time. Across this room, you're just raising your hand saying, God, here I am. I need you. I need your transforming power. If that's you, raise your hand right now because God is here to touch and transform your situation. Okay. I want us to pray a prayer of dedication. And if this is in your heart right now, I just want you to pray this prayer with me as well. It's a very simple prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Your death on the cross has rescued me. I trust in you. I ask for your forgiveness, your cleansing, your salvation. I thank you that you have risen from the dead to give me new life. Thank you, God. I declare you are my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give Pastor Bruce a clap. That was a great message. If you are one of those people that responded to that last prayer, can I please get you to head at the end of the service